Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Forgotten Cello Music. This is a roundup of France in the 18th century, based on Joseph Vasilevsky's book, The Violin Cello and Its History. This is page 88. In this episode, I'll be focusing on concluding remarks that he makes. And this also happens to be the conclusion of the 18th century. He focused only on three, Italy, Germany, and France. I guess they could be considered the three big centers of music of that day. Now in France, there are some names that are known to us even in this day that date from the 18th century, like Duport and Préval. He goes on to list dozens of names, dozens of cellists that composed music for their instruments, developing the sound, the technique, and expanding the repertoire. Now just as a quick survey of names, we've got Jean-Baptiste Janson, Auguste uh, Joseph, and of course the Duport brothers, Jean-Pierre Duport, he was the elder of the two, and also Jean-Louis Duport, the younger, who is the more well-known of the two, and from which we cellists practice that famous G minor etude from his set of etudes. I also happen to find other names that are quite intriguing, and I think they could be practiced just as well. For one, Joseph Bonaventure Tillier. He has a set of sonatas and other sundry pieces that are very charming in their own way, and I think they should be looked at a little more seriously. Now going on, uh, there are more names, Jean Triclier, uh, who seems to be of German extraction, uh, Bidot, Aubert, uh, Carton, Lavasseur. Now I've heard this name before, but I've never played anything from him. Rousselot, Desforges. Now coming to the conclusion of not only the French section in the 18th century, but the 18th century as a whole. He writes uh, a little bit of a conclusion, and I'd like to read that now. When we survey the progressive development of violoncello playing from its commencement to the close of the 18th century under all aspects, the following facts are presented to us. The violoncello playing was taken up, as we saw in the first half of the 17th century, and even before, by the Italians. It was at first used only as an orchestral instrument and as a harmonized accompaniment of recitative singing in the place of the gamba. But in the second half of the 17th century, there were some Italian artists, such as Gabrielli, Ariosti, Bononcini, who endeavored to elevate the violoncello to the rank of a solo instrument. Then appeared Franciscello, who worked with uncommon success 
to the same end. By the last three named artists, violoncello playing was presented to the German nation with an idea of artistically treating it, with in France Giovanni Battista Struck, called Baptistin, exercised an influence in the same direction. In both these countries, this new branch of art soon received a great impulse by means of native talent. The Germans brought to it more that was empiric, the French what was methodic. Consequently, at the beginning, it must be acknowledged, the latter gained a certain advantage. It is very noteworthy that they made great efforts to arrange systematically and establish the technique of violoncello playing by instruction books and methods, and Corette led the way with his violoncello school, published in 1741, which was followed in the course of the second half of the last century by similar works by Tillier, Cupy, and Münzberger. In Italy and Germany, as far as one can see, the first attempts at instruction books for the violoncello were initiated after Corette and Tillier had published their schools. But in spite of the laudable efforts which were made, especially in France, to establish the science of cello playing on a sure and suitable basis, it made very slow progress. A substantial hindrance existed from the circumstance that the method of violin playing, which at the time had already reached a high state of cultivation, had been in a measure used as a model without taking into consideration the important difference in the dimensions of the fingerboard in the two instruments. Not only had the fingering of the diatonic and chromatic scales, but also the principles of the so-called positions, been transferred from the violin to the violoncello. With reference to the first point, the necessary directions were given by description in the method of Corette. As to the latter point, it must be observed that for the lower portion of the fingerboard, four different positions were adopted analogous to the technique of the violin. To this position theory, which has come down to the present time and is treated of in some of the old as well as the new violoncello schools, no special authority, strictly speaking, should be attached. For the violin, it has to a certain extent, a meaning, as on that instrument it is possible to play a complete scale on all parts of the fingerboard without moving the hand. On account of its wider dimensions, the violoncello admits of this only by the help of the thumb position, with the exception of the C major scale, by using the open strings. But even here, where an indication of position would be applicable, it is not usual. Evidently, there is something inconsistent in this. There was a singular conjecture with regard to finger technique and the use of the thumb, as we have already seen from Corette's violoncello school. The fourth finger was excluded from cooperation as soon as the use of the thumb was introduced, because it was thought that it was too short. This view of it prevailed up to the end of the last century. In the method published by the Belgian violoncellist Münzberger, it is literally said, when the fourth position has been passed over, only three fingers are used. 
later indeed, where Mintzberger speaks of the use of the thumb, he somewhat modifies this rule since he remarks, many professors, when using the thumb, do not need the fourth finger. I am of opinion that its use should not be rejected, in that he who by nature is endowed with a long finger can make it available in certain cases. In exceptional cases, therefore, Minzberger advocated the use of the little finger when playing with the assistance of the thumb. But it is evident with his expression that the use of it was not usual at the end of the last century. This is undoubtedly to be gathered from the Méthode de Violoncelle, published conjointly by Bayot, Lavasseur, Cattel, and Bourdieu. It is in the following observation. The use of the fourth finger in the different positions of the thumb was not known to the older violoncello teachers of France. It has only been introduced a few years since the necessity for it has been felt. As this violoncello school was in 1804 accepted as an instruction book for the Conservatoire by a resolution of the General Committee, it is clearly evident that in France at least the fourth finger had for the most part remained unused until shortly before the close of the last century. The cause of this was plainly an incorrect manipulation. Concerning the practice pursued in Germany during the second half of the last century with regard to the fourth finger, Johann Baptist Baumgartner's tutor, mentioned page 69, would alone be able to give an explanation, if it were still extant. With some probability, however, it may be assumed that the same opinion was held in reference to it as on the other side of the Rhine. The influence of France on German violoncello playing in the second half of the last century made itself felt in other ways. This was chiefly through the means of the brothers Duport. The succeeding sections will show in what way the further cultivation of this branch of the art progressed. And there you have it. I find it very informative, not just interesting. It does inform us how and why we do things, even to this day, 100, 200 years later. You know, when I was studying, the fourth finger was not regarded as a finger, even when I was a kid. And even in college, I'll be honest, I, the fourth finger was not something that you should even think about using in the thumb position. Why not just use all the fingers? If it alleviates some, some shifting, you know, some awkward shifting, why not just make it uh, readily available? You know, practice it so it becomes strong in that posture. It becomes deft and uh, able to be used in a kind of a first position manner. Now, as a teacher, from that perspective, you can kind of, uh, you, you, not kind of, but you, you do see why it's not advocated because it does become a little more complicated. And that's just one more thing to learn, one more thing to teach. Um, the posture changes slightly, of course, when you're using thumb because it's, it's not under the fingers anymore. It's, it's behind the fingers. And so you have to think about it a little bit differently. I think it was my 
studies in my master's degree. And I began studying with some uh, younger uh, teachers who had their doctorate degrees from some very well-known pedagogues in the country. And I started learning some new techniques, new ways of thinking about the fingers and the fingerboard, and it really opened up some windows to me. And then finally, I started studying with this Armenian professor who was fabulous, and I credit studying with him with, with a more relaxed uh, a, a method of playing and, and being able to draw better sound out of the instrument. It was at this time of my master's degree, at the end of my master's degree, with this Armenian professor that I discovered Daniel Shafran. And Daniel Shafran plays with his fourth finger, and it literally looks like his third finger when he's using it. It is just incredible. I don't understand why more cellists don't practice using their fourth finger. And it blew my mind when I saw my professor playing with his fourth finger in thumb position. Just blew me out of the water. I couldn't believe what he was doing with it. And it looked like his third finger. These historical readings bring to life and they bring meaning into our present scenario, our present experience. And they help us understand what is going on, why things are done the way they are these days. I hope that you enjoy these kind of... I hope that you get something from it, and if you do, I would love to hear from you, or if there's a like button, press the like button. Write me a message and say, this was really interesting. I'd like to hear more about it. Could you expound on it? Or I'd like to hear less of yada, yada, yada. I am planning on coming back with another episode, uh, hopefully in the next month. And it would be going back to my first intrigue in forgotten cello music and if you know what my first intrigue is i'd love to hear a comment i'm not going to tell you now you'll have to wait see you in the next episode
Thank mm-hmm. you.